They got their franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. Now, do you protect them? Take Evan Neal, who's played left and right and guard. Do you take Ika Mikwanu, who some think is as good or better than Neal? Or do you take the pass rusher in Aiden Hutchinson, who's moved ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau? Garbers, hit from behind and taken down. Set by Kayvon Thibodeau. The best player on my board is Kyle Hamilton. And that ball is intercepted. That is the All-American Kyle Hamilton. They took a corner in J.C. Horn last year. You come back with Sauce Gardner over Derek Stingley Jr., who hasn't done much since 2019 when he was great. Just one month from right now, we will be in the city of Las Vegas, in the great state of Nevada, because the 2022 NFL Draft will finally be upon us. Round one is just one month away. Welcome into First Draft. I am Field DH, joined, as always, by the two men who will be the focal point of our coverage there for ESPN, Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay. Great to have both of you here today. It's great to have kind of a normal show for once. It's been a little bit of a weird schedule of pro days and all that. I'm sure you guys are fired up for the draft being just one month away. And we figured with a draft just one month away, what better thing to do than a collaborative mock draft, Mel and Todd, where the two of you, rather than arguing with each other, get to work together for once, Mel. This is exciting for you and Todd, our assistant or co-GMs with each other. What do you think? Once in a lifetime, something great has to happen between Todd, 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 and I. We're going we're gonna to try to put our heads together, come up with a consensus. It's not necessarily a mock draft, but what we would do based on who's taken – ahead of us. So we look at the needs, we look at free agency, we look at what's available, and we try to come up with a consensus pick in the top 10 for both Todd and myself. I just had a real thought. Can you imagine Kuiper and I having to make a decision, having, being the co-GM of an NFL team and having to decide? I mean, what, that, that would be an absolute disaster. He wouldn't eat or drink the entire draft. I'd have piles of food in front of me and stacks of Diet Cokes and waters going. I'd be in the bathroom. He'd make a pick while I was in the bathroom. I know what he would do. He'd make a trade and then pick right away when I went to the restroom. So it would be fun. But today, today's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this would be fun. And we'll also talk about it would the, be the best reality TV in, in the history of reality TV field. <laughs> that would be the best and get the highest rating ever if you ever put that on a, a reality TV uh, station or did anything like that. So I think the people would love to see it. Might not be the best scenario for each team or whatever team we were representing, but it would certainly be a lot of, uh, of fun to do. I've heard there could be some expansion coming to the NFL, perhaps a 33rd and 34th franchise. And if that actually ever comes to life, I believe you two should be leading contenders to be the two first members of the front office. Uh, by the way, we'll also discuss the Tyreek Hill trade, which the blockbusters just continue in the NFL. It's like every time I turn, there's a new Schefter bomb on Twitter about some superstar player changing teams. I mean, you just go through the list. It has been a series of major trades. But we're going to do our joint mock-ish draft of the first 10 picks. Uh, first up, Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, with the first overall pick for the second straight year. The team has been extremely busy in free agency. They spent more guaranteed money than any team in the history of the NFL in a single free agency period. And I think the most pertinent part of this, uh, as it pertains to the draft, is that they used a franchise tag for the second straight year on Cam Robinson, uh, a player they originally drafted back in 2017. So, Todd, I'll give you the first pick here. You guys can talk through it, but I'll have you first word on the first pick. If you were Trent Baalke right now, which direction would you be turning? I'd go with Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end from Michigan, and, and for a few different reasons. First of all, you are set at offensive tackle, even, even if it's just for one year. So that kind of, in my opinion, 
takes Evan Neal, the offensive tackle from Alabama, and Iki Aquanu from NC State out of the picture. With Hutchinson, you're getting the player, you're getting the production, you're getting the, the sacks, the tackles for loss, the run defense, and you're getting a cornerstone type of leader. And I think if you're Jacksonville, you're looking for that kind of impact player and a player that you can build around moving forward, Mel. So to me, Hutchinson, probably the easiest pick here in the top 10. I don't know how much of a a discussion that we even have to have at this number one spot for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Exactly. And I think when you look at Josh Allen, uh, Cleveland Farrell went ahead of Josh Allen. Josh Mm. Allen ended up becoming a pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's shown flashes. He's done a really good job at times getting after the quarterback. Actually had a a great game against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. That was a career game for him where he was doing everything, being so disruptive. So I think if Josh Allen can maintain a level of consistency, stay healthy for 16 games, Aiden Hutchins brings an attitude and energy to this football team, and an AFC where you got to get after the quarterbacks. That's the bottom line. And protecting Trevor Lawrence and opening up holes, obviously, for the running backs, Travis Etienne coming off an injury, their first-round pick last year. All of a sudden, Jacksonville, with Phil Rausch, the new offensive line coach, has something to work with. You need some pieces with Sheriff and free agency. Obviously, Walker Little, former second-round pick, could be the right tackle. Cam Robinson, if they can coach him up to be a consistent left tackle. Taylor will also be in competition with, with Little at right tackle. So all of a sudden, now you got some things going there. But Hutchinson, talk to the kid. I'll tell you what, Todd and Field, he is a guy that you just, you just want to go through a wall when you got a guy like that. Who makes everybody around him better? Mm. Aiden Hutchinson could be that guy. Uh, I think it's pretty much an easy consensus that he should be the pick at number one. All right, so not much beyond that is going to be easy. As we go to number two in Detroit, who obviously would probably like to get their hands on Aiden Hutchinson, the local product, having played at Michigan. But now, I'll let you start here. Detroit hasn't been that busy in free agency. Probably the biggest name they added was DJ Chark on a one-year deal at wide receiver. But if you were Right now, if you were Brad Holmes, their general manager, and Dan uh, Campbell, their head coach, will be the stars of Hard Knocks, by the way. And the draft will also be in Detroit in 2024. Where would you go pick two? It's a tough one. Uh, this is where you would hope to get somebody to maybe move up to that mm, second spot agreed. if we could, Todd, and entice somebody to jump up there. Uh, if you're locked in, and that's what uh, they always say, hey, don't assume we can trade Dan. If we can't get a, a, you know, a, a dance partner here, we got to make a pick. So if we're gonna, not going to project any trades and we don't get an opportunity to do that, who are we going to take at number two? I think it's too high to think. I know there's been a lot of mocks that have come out recently, Todd, that have Malik Willis going to. He's at eight, I'd be curious to see when you're updated big board, he's at, he's at like 18, 19 on my big board, Todd. Where is, he, where is Malik Willis on yours right now? Yeah, I've got him at 20. I've got him at 20 and pick Kenny Pickett at 21. So I agree with you. I've heard the same rumors. I talked to Mark Brunel, the – quarterback coach who was on that pro day tour that I was on, starting in Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett, then going to Lynchburg for uh, for Liberty's pro day with, with Malik Willis, then Matt Corral is when I talked to him in Ole Miss on Wednesday, last Wednesday, but he said, I've been to everyone, I'm going to Desmond Ritter on Thursday, and I'll be at Sam Howell on next Monday. So he, they're doing their due diligence. He missed the Malik Willis one because he had a, a prior obligation. And most importantly, they coached him at the Senior Bowl. So they know Malik as well, if not better than any other quarterback in this class. He said, we, we just, we love the guy, you know, in addition to what he can do. I, listen, I can't do it. I can't pull the trigger there unless I hear something different. I love the intrigue with it. I think Malik is probably more intriguing when you get down to like eight with the Falcons, nine with Seattle, if he's going to be a top 10 pick. But both of us are, are in agreement that he's not necessarily, Mel, a, a, you know, a top five pick, and maybe he doesn't deserve to be a top ten pick. So where else do you go? 
to me, it's, it's Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. You know, they, they lost Eric Reed um, in free agency. And then you look at, at the other positions that they could go. I think edge is also a possibility. And I, everyone's going to say, well, maybe we're back to Hutchinson one, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon going number two, like we talked about in October, November, and December. But I, Trayvon Walker from Georgia is a possibility there to mm. be the number two player and the number two edge off the board. So what do you think, Kite, between Hamilton at safety and Walker or Thibodeau at edge, where would you lean if we're not going to go with Malik Willis at number two? Yeah, Walker is the guy. He always had that shock. Remember when Furl went as high as he did to the Raiders and we're sitting there saying, what, yeah. we've seen it before. Remember when Deion Jordan went ahead of Lane Johnson? We thought we were penciling, writing in Lane Johnson. It was Deion Jordan. We've had this type of thing happen before. Walker's red hot, but do you get the sack production guaranteed? You don't. you got to project that. You didn't see it at Georgia because he was moved around. He was used in a wide-ranging, uh, uh, you know, versatile ways to get him on, on the field to try to get him and, and, and the other guys because were so many other guys you had to get after the quarterback and do their job, then Trayvon Walker is now being expected to be a sack artist based on his computer numbers when he wasn't at Georgia. So, again, that's a projection to me. Uh, to, yeah, I think Kyle Hamilton, you know what you're getting here. You're getting tremendous range, tremendous ball skills, ideally suited for the way the game is played. you still got to beat Aaron Rodgers in the division they're in, Todd. And the one point I'll make before you go, when you're picking second, you mentioned Malik Willis. Malik Willis is at 18 to 20 range on our boards right now. Well, you're picking two. You got to either get the second best player on your board if your number one guy goes number one, or your number one guy. If you want to stretch it for three because of position need, or it's two and two A, fine. But you can't go past five, six, seven, eight in that area. I don't care how you do the A's, B's, C's, and D's, and you all lump them together. Uh, and you I certainly agree. can't I, go to eighteen or twenty. I remember when Baker Mayfield, when Baker Mayfield went number one, Todd. It was a shocker to me. I, you, you, you do rankings, Todd. We, and we, I had a GM tell me this back in the eighties. You go through this exercise, and it's very difficult to rank players and stack them and put them up on a board. You spend so much time agonizing over that, even changing it the night before or the morning of, right, that to go against that completely makes no sense. And that's the built-in protection against making a terrible reach in the draft. Well, there you have it. It seems like we've landed on the same player. So unless either one of you is going to interject and tell me that I've misread what you just said, Kyle Hamilton is the guy at number two for the Detroit Lions. Let's move forward to pick number three, which, of course, belongs to the Houston Texans, a team that all of a sudden has a ton of draft capital, including number 13 in this year's class as well via Cleveland Mail. We'll go back to you here first. Houston, another team that feels like it can go any which way direction-wise. Free agency, they've been busy, but more so in terms of, like, the middle tier of the roster, guys who were there last Mm -hmm. year, solid veterans, but not necessarily any signings that would make you say, all right, cross that position off long-term as a need. Yeah, and I, I think Todd and I will be in agreement here. This is another one that's a little bit more challenging, but it's another. Is there a team willing to move up? I love Iki Aquanu. Uh, I think he's a foundations piece, Todd, that you really need. If you're going to move forward with Davis Mills, and Davis Mills had a strong finish to the season. He did a good job against some pretty good defenses as well. It wasn't against the Cupcakes or the bottom echelon teams. It was against some quality defenses. So I think when you look at Davis Mills, if he is the guy moving forward, uh, they did ads, like you say, some – some journeyman types, some middle-of-the-road guys, a lot of strength in numbers there, not qu- more quantity over quality. But I think you look at Aquanu, uh, he gives you that great right tackle, a left tackle, he could be a right tackle, guard. Uh, Todd, I would go Iki Aquanu here. I want to see what you think about the third pick overall with the Houston Texans. Yeah, I, this is a tough one. It really is because, because you could go offensive tackle, and I would go with Aquanu over Neal as well. I, I've got him rated 
one spot ahead, both in the top five. So Aquano, I can live with. I'm happy with. I do think Edge is a possibility, trying to get another pass rusher in there and trying to, to bring that heat on the defensive front. I, outside of quarterback, I think getting that pass rusher is the most important position. So if you have a grade the tire on Kayvon Thibodeau or, or Trayvon Walker, as we talked about before, then you go that direction. I think offensive tackle makes a lot of sense. I mentioned Eric Reed before Detroit. I meant with Houston. I think Houston's another team. If Kyle Hamilton's there at three, which he very well could be. I mean, Detroit, it was, as we just talked about, with several different options with that number two overall pick. I think Hamilton's a possibility as well. But mm. if you narrow it down, I'm, I'm not going to fight you on this one, Mel. I think Aquanu is, is one of the three best players in the draft. I think offensive tackle is a need. So, so there's no problem here. All right, let's move forward to pick number four then, the first of two in the top ten for the New York Jets. Uh, Todd, let's head to you now for that fourth overall pick for New York, which feels like, again, like they actually do have some positions that I think are kind of crossed off. Like, I, I wonder if tackle is a major need or not as much, depending on where Makai Becton is at. In free agency, they have been, I would say, sort of finding solid value as well. They nearly, or they, they were close to trading for Tyree Kale, but ultimately he goes to Miami. Mm. So where would you lean if you were your former college teammate, Joe Douglas, right now with pick number four? I think right now how you look at it is edge and wide receiver are probably the, the top needs okay. you know, in, in terms of what you're looking for. Obviously, they're going to take the best player available. That's just what Joe Douglas does. That's what Ozzie Newsom always did with the Ravens, and you saw how that worked out for a couple decades there. But to me, now we've got to decide, is it Trayvon Walker from Georgia? Is it Kayvon Thibodeau? I, I would lean Walker just knowing what you're trying to bring in in terms of a player that's a, a foundation piece, you know, excellent character, excellent work ethic you see on tape and you hear in reports talking to scouts and people in the building at Georgia, the work ethic that he brings. So I would lean Trayvon Walker here. The other thing is, I know cornerback, they've addressed it with a lot of parts and they got a couple young guys that I think are good number threes and maybe number fours and number fives. But do they have a number one? Mm. So Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati at cornerback would make some sense here. Remember, they pick again at number 10. But we know they need an edge. They absolutely need a wide receiver, a difference maker for Zach Wilson at the quarterback position. And Tyreek, you saw what they were going to do. They actually had a really good trade in place. If we weren't even giving up a first rounder. That was devastating. Not only do you lose out on Tyreek, you also now have to face Tyreek twice a season with the Miami Dolphins. So... It'll be interesting. I think wide receivers probably with that 10th pick. We'll get to that in a little bit. I would go here, Mel, Trayvon Walker or Sauce Gardner. What do you think? I'll defer to you on the Jets, Todd, obviously with, with Joe Douglas, and, and you know this situation better than anybody. I think Trayvon Walker is a roll of the dice. I think he's kind of a gamble on greatness because you see the great numbers, the wow numbers that you say, boy, you know, if we can coach him properly – and we can isolate a position, try to find that right position for him, then we can maximize all that ability. But I like to see at the collegiate level, we are going up like a lot of guys that I call them another occupation guys. They won't be in the NFL. Okay, they're the AOGs, right? Well, now you're in the NFL against the best in the world. You know, if you didn't have the sack production there, we can excuse it. We can always find a reason to say, here's an excuse as to why it wasn't. But the reality is, Thibodeau was more productive, okay? So I think in Thibodeau, we can get to, we'll get to down the line, again, Kayvon Thibodeau. But I'll, I'll, if you want to roll the dice, and this is that gamble. This is, there's no sure things in any pick you make. But you'd like to have a guy who produces the results. 
at the collegiate level that you expect to see in the NFL. And with Walker, that wasn't the case. So if you want to roll the dice, Todd, with Trayvon Walker, hey, uh, I'll say that's your pick. How's that, Todd? We'll go that way. All right, I'm going to roll it. Let's go with Trayvon. Okay, Trayvon Walker, it is a pick number four. We're going to stay in New York, go to the Giants now, who also have two picks in the top ten. As a matter of five and six, as five and seventh overall, fifth and seventh overall, I should say. Mel, right back to you, my friend. Who are the Giants taking at pick number five if you had the call? Yeah, uh, Evan Neal, uh, the, the Daniel Jones, this is the year, right? And then you feel Andrew Thomas, your left tackle. Uh, and then you think about where you are at right tackle, which is a question mark. Evan Neal was a left tackle this year, but he started at right tackle, also started at guard. We know about the talent he brings to that position. He is not the guy that Iki Aquanu is in terms of playing past the whistle and getting after you and firing off the ball and being destructive. But And there's some things he's got to clean up. But, Todd, yeah, it's hard not at five to take the right tackle. And I'm saying right tackle for them because Andrew Thomas is left tackle, a right tackle who's got one-year start. Charles Cross has not been. He's been a left tackle. This guy has been for one full year, Todd, in the SEC, a right tackle. I would probably pound the table just a bit for Evan Neal here. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I agree completely. I, I, I think you've got to protect Daniel Jones better. He's got to get the ball out. A little quicker. He's got to protect the ball. He's going to stay healthy. We can get to Daniel Jones later on, but you've got to give him an opportunity. This is his tryout season, if you will, to see if he's going to be the future of this franchise with the new organization in place in terms of leadership. So I think Evan Neal makes all the sense in the world. The position versatility that he brings helps his value. And, you know, other positions, edge, safety, wide receiver, they've got to pick again at number seven a couple spots later. But I think Evan Neal's the best player on the board, and it's a, a significant position of need and what you're trying to accomplish with Daniel Jones as your quarterback, at least for one more year. A quick and simple pick at number five. So let's move forward to number six then. We go to Carolina, who has no two, no three. So they have this first pick. It's really an important one for them to nail. And Todd, you get the first dibs here. Carolina seems like a team that could be in the market for an offensive tackle, maybe a quarterback, but perhaps not this early. So where would you go if you were Scott Fitterer? This is a tough one. Watching Matt Rule, the head coach, at every pro day that I was at, studying just the quarterbacks, not going over to some of the other drills. Like he, he's trying to figure out, is there a guy in this class that gives us an upgrade over Sam Darnold and maybe can buy me some more time as the head coach of the Panthers? So with that in mind, Mel, you've got to keep Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett in the mix here at number six. I know it's early, and you and I both agree on kind of the range where they should be, somewhere in that 18 to 22 range with Pickett and with Willis. But – if you love the guy and you fall and you, and you really think that he can be an upgrade at that position, you've you got to take him at six, even though it's too early. So could they trade down a little bit? I don't think so, because then you're worried about Atlanta at eight. And then you're worried about Seattle at number nine. So I, I think you either take the quarterback or then it becomes Charles Cross. What's your evaluation on Charles Cross, the Mississippi State offensive tackle, who is a, a very good left tackle, excellent in pass protection, that Mike Leach system really refines his game in the past year and I think has the footwork, enough length, and the ability to to mirror and slide as a pass protector. So it would be great to bring in Cross here. It's a little rich for my blood, but it's an offensive tackle position that you really need. Or do you just bite the bullet and say, we're going with Malik or Kenny Pickett at quarterback type? Todd, this is rough. This is tough Mm. because Matt Rule's got to win this year. And they thought that (laughs) we all thought Deshaun Watson – 
was going to be the guy. Matt Rule's got to win, okay? Tepper, the owner, they wanted, well, they were going to get Deshaun Watson some way, somehow. They were not going to let Deshaun Watson go somewhere else, and here he is in Cleveland. And Sam Darnold, Todd, you know, 3-0 with Christian McCaffrey. The offensive line wasn't very good. They added Bradley Bozeman, former Raven at center. They added Austin Corbett at guard. You still got a left tackle issue. Charles Cross makes the most sense here, I think, for the Carolina Panthers. I'm with you on the quarterback. Kenny Pickett would be the guy over Malik Willis, I think, because of the, we got to win. And we got a 24-year-old in Pickett. Charles Cross, a left tackle, would certainly help Sam Darnold, that blindside protector, which he's tremendously experienced at in that pass-happy Mississippi State offense. So Charles Cross would be hard to overlook here. I would be thinking, I know you said, Todd, to be fearful of moving down and maybe losing a quarterback. Yeah, is Kenny Pickett worthy of being a top 10 pick? Is he better in the middle of the first? And moving down, if you can still get Pickett, I think would be the best case scenario. If you're in love with Pickett and you say, we can't afford to think about and maybe lose him and roll the dice that we could lose him, I don't want to take that gamble, then you stay there and you reach a little bit. We both agree, Todd, you and I, it's way too high for a quarterback at six. Okay? So with that in mind, you want to just go Charles Cross here? Good. I'm good with it. I think it makes the most sense at this spot. But right. it won't, hey, just for everyone listening, it, it won't shock me at all if it is a quarterback when we, when we come to the last Saturday in, in April. Well, let's for now settle on a left tackle in Charles Cross. You guys, Or Thursday, him? whenever that first night of the draft is. I think it is a Thursday. It's one <laughs> month from right now. That's all I know. Thursday night, uh, I believe it's 5 p.m. Las Vegas time, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so let's move forward to pick number seven. We just talked about the Giants, so we go right back to you, Todd. We just a moment ago gave them Evan Neal, the hulking, incredible left tackle out of Alabama, who could be a guard, could be a right tackle, wherever, he, wherever they need him. Who would you go to at pick number seven? Again, this is a team that doesn't have a lot of salary cap space, so the draft is going to be their avenue to making major upgrades this offseason. Yeah, they've got options here and a bunch of really good players. Yeah, We've got Trayvon Walker and, and obviously Hutchinson coming off the board of the edges. Hutchinson going number one, and Walker going number four to the Jets in this situation. So is it Kayvon Thibodeau, mm. which would be a great pick. You know, for a long time, we thought he could be the number two player off the board, maybe maybe the number one for a while. And, and now you get him at number seven. There, to me, is some value. I, that's probably where I would lean. But again, if, if somehow Thibodeau and Walker are off the board, I don't know, Mel, that it's too high for Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, mm. another edge defender. And also keep in mind, we had Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame, coming off the board at number two to Detroit. But he could be in play here if he's still, you know, some teams are worried four, five, nine uh, in the 40-yard dash. He's a safety. Do we get value in the top five? Well, if he slips, he could be a, a really good addition for the Giants here at number seven. And then finally, I'm just going to throw it in. This is where I think the wide receivers start to really legitimately come into play. Garrett Wilson, Ohio State. Drake London, USC. Kuiper, a lot to choose from here. I would lean, I think, Kayvon Thibodeau with this pick, but I'm, I'm open for some other options. Yeah, what about trying to get the Jets to move up? Do a little mm. New York, New York deal here, Todd. Uh, you know, and have the Jets try to move <laughs> up to get Drake London. Uh, entice them to go up and get Drake, who's the big receiver that they need. They got Elijah Moore, you got Braxton Berrios. If I'm the Giants here, I made the pick of Evan Neal. I got Thibodeau. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson the second. He's red hot right now. He's red hot. 
Drake London is a guy coming off the injury that has the length, has the catch radius, has that power forward mentality. When he's covered, he's open. Zach Wilson can throw it up. See it in the end zone here. Out the smaller cornerback for the football. Touchdown, right? That's Drake London. For Zach Wilson, can't we make everything in this draft about getting Zach Wilson to a certain but can't, level? But can't if we get him at 10? Jets, well, you got Atlanta at 8. Okay, you got Atlanta at eight. You got other teams that can move in there. You maybe could. You maybe could. We all thought, hey, New England, they got to move up to get Mac Jones. They sat at 15 and got a quarterback. They didn't even move up to get a quarterback. Who ended up having a better rookie year than any of the right. guys. Okay, and they stood pat and they just were patient and they waited it out. And we would have been saying, they're idiots if somebody else would have moved up and got Mac Jones and they didn't. Where would they be right now? But they were patient. And guess what? They got lucky and everybody passed on them and they got them. So you're right, Todd. Maybe Drake London is there at 10. Uh, but I think when you look at right now, we're doing this pick for the New York Giants, right? We're saying if, they have, if no trade yeah. comes their way, no trade opportunity, who would they take at seven? I think it's either Thibodeau. It's a pass rusher. It's, it's, it's hey, do you like Thibodeau? Do you like Jermaine Johnson? Let's go Thibodeau at this particular juncture. Yep. All right, so pick number seven is indeed Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy who, as you guys mentioned, could be the second most talented player in this year's draft. That was part of the rhetoric during the fall. So let's go to pick number eight, Mel, and all of a sudden the Atlanta Falcons have all sorts of needs. Uh, Wide receivers have been in need since the beginning of the offseason. It became even more of one when Calvin Ridley got suspended for Mm -hmm. at least the 2022 season. Matt Ryan is no longer there. Marcus Mariota was signed to a two-year deal. Where should Atlanta turn right now? Dari and Mel show Saturday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Todd, in the field. We did a thing on who is going to have the number one pick. And Todd, you'll be doing your way-too-early Mach 1.0 for 2023 draft right after Can't the wait. draft in early May, right? Yeah, I know. I love that part. I can give you a little note during day three of the draft. We're already looking ahead to that whole big day coming up when your mock draft comes out, Todd. It's the most anticipated mock draft in the history of mock drafts, which it should be because it's going to get new names out there, right? And you're going to be thinking about, and you go by however they rank them. Who's number one, right? They do some kind of power rankings, and ESPN does, and you go. The Atlanta Falcons could be in line to have the number one pick overall in 2023 based on their current roster, right? And could be in line for C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, or Bryce Young from Alabama. Do they take a quarterback here? Okay, they certainly could. They passed on them last year to take Kyle Pitts, but they don't. Outside of Kyle Pitts, Todd, who who is Marcus Mariota throwing to right now? Right? What would you not look at Drake no London idea. or Garrett Wilson here if you're the Atlanta Falcons? Mm. Absolutely, I, I would look at you know give me give me Drake London here and, and pair him up with Pitts, and now I've got two. You know, I've got a basketball team out there fielding the football down the field. So my pick here would would be Drake London. I know Falcons fans are wondering, could this be? Malik Willis is just, a, you know, bring in a quarterback, give him a year to sit and develop behind Marcus Mariota. Kenny Pickett's a possibility as well. But, uh, but I, personally, I think the Falcons should, and I think the Falcons will, go with a wide receiver. And my guess would be that it's Drake London over Garrett Wilson, but neither would surprise me. So have we landed on Drake London to pick eight? Are you good with this, Kuiper? You're good. I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Let's go. Drake London goes number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons. So, Todd's going to pick number nine, Seattle, who now owns a pick in the first round because of the Russell Wilson trade. This is a team that's got plenty of needs right now, including potentially quarterbacks. So where would you go if you were John Schneider? Yeah, this one's tough. I mean, let, let's start with the quarterback position. Malik Willis kind of seems to fit the mold of what they would want and in terms of a guy that can come in with Drew Locke there already as a veteran sit a year or a good portion of the year, develop him. I'm not saying he's not Russell Wilson. We haven't even given him that, you know, we haven't talked about that NFL comp at all. But I'm saying 
you know, a, a guy that maybe doesn't have the ideal height, but is a playmaker, can move around. You can utilize him in the run game, the RPO game, more than they, they ever did with Russell. He's got the big arm down the field, the explosiveness. You know, you've got you've got DJ Metcalf there. So to me, Malik makes a lot of sense to Seattle at number nine. Offensive tackle is also a, a position of need. But we've got three tackles coming off the board, and there's not a guy that you would consider after Iquanu, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross that well, belongs in the top 10 or maybe even the top 15 discussion. You get down to Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, I think, you know, beyond 15, in my opinion, where he belongs. So edge rusher still could be a possibility as well. And, but you're down to Jermaine Johnson after having uh, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Walker come off the board. So to me, it's either Malik Willis or you, you wind up going, I don't know, Mel, where do you think? Edge? You're right before the Jets, Todd. And if Garrett Wilson or Drake London are still here, and you think the Jets would probably take one of those two receivers, right? Then maybe this is a spot to move down a bit. Uh, I'm just throwing that. There's going to be plenty of teams looking to move up at different spots. We see it every year, and there's going to be opportunities to move out. This could be one. But if you're locked in, and that's what we're assuming, yeah. we're locked in, it's too high for us to take a quarterback. Certainly they could, but it's too high. Malik Willis is that compact frame. Russell Wilson was 5'10 and change. He's you know, not a 6'3", 6'4", quarterback. Okay? He was, Matt, remember, uh, Wilson was a third-round pick when they had brought in Matt Flynn to be the guy. Mm. Matt Flynn was going to be their quarterback coming from Green Bay that year. People forget about that. He, Russell Wilson, was, was they didn't even know if he'd be there in the third round. They took a couple guys before him in that draft, right? Well, here you have Drew Locke, and everybody says they like Drew Locke more than everybody else does. That they have a higher regard for Locke than maybe the general public does right now, right? And maybe analysts and whoever covers the NFL. Well, have Locke paired with a quarterback is not a bad thing. They paired Matt Flynn with Russell Wilson. How'd that work out? But if you are here and our ratings don't say quarterback, Trevor Penning, Todd, we always have a little bit of a reach. A guy that is we like but we don't love in the top ten. Trevor Penning's name comes up a lot. And there's a lot of mixed opinion on Penning Cross for that third offensive tackle spot. So I'll just throw Penning out there. They always like pass rushers, okay? Schneider and Pete Carroll. Jermaine Johnson the second's red hot, Todd. I'll, I'll, those are your options. With Thibodeau gone, Jermaine Johnson the second. He had 70 tackles. Yeah. He was second on a team in tackles. He had the 12 sacks and the 18 tackles for loss. But the way he bends the corner and that strip sacks and getting it's hard not to look at Jermaine Johnson a second for Seattle or the Jets coming up at 10 who need an edge rusher as well. Okay, so Todd. Yeah, I can live with Jermaine Johnson. Okay, so Jermaine Johnson's the pick. Jermaine Johnson the second out of Florida State seems to be the number nine overall pick for the Seattle Seahawks. All right, there we have it. Let's put a bow on the top 10 in this sort of quasi-mock draft, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the 10th mm -hmm. overall selection. We go right back to the New York Jets for their second pick. Maybe they're trading up based off some of the conversations we've had so far. But, Todd, after earlier in the draft uh, addressing an edge need, where do they go this time around? Could wide receiver be the fit here for the New York Jets? Yeah, I think, you know, we've got Drake London off the board going to Atlanta at, at number eight. I would say Garrett Wilson from Ohio State and what he brings. I mean, we talk about it a lot. He, to me, he's a lot like C.D. Lamb in terms of the body control. Ball's up in the air. He's going to find a way to nudge the cornerback and, and just – contort his body and go get the ball and then after the catch his ability as well I think he's you know to me I have him one spot ahead of Drake London in my rankings so if I can get if I can get him here at number 10 a wide receiver that I've ranked number six overall and then I feel I feel really good about that so Garrett Wilson I think would be a great pick I don't know if Drake London they would prefer but he's off the board in this in this scenario 
And then finally, when you look at it, Mel, I wonder cornerback Sauce Gardner. We don't have a cornerback in the top ten. We agree, I think. Well, actually, you know, you've, you've said Derek Stingley from LSU might be your number one corner. I don't, I don't know if that's changed or not. But ultimately, cornerback could be the spot here at number ten if, if the wide receiver that they want is not available. Yeah, just to piggyback off what you said, Todd, Washington at 11 and Minnesota at 12 are really happy if the corners are all still on the board because then they got their choice. And if Washington went, say, Sauce Gardner, who mm-hmm. is the consensus number one corner right now, I'm still sticking with Derek Stingley, going with Derek Stingley Jr. But if he's there, Minnesota. Matt Miller came on Saturday on the Dari Mel Show, Todd, said that he thinks Trent McDuffie from Washington could go ahead of Derek Stingley Jr. If that's the case, somebody's really going to get a heck of a corner in that 15 to 20 range if Derek Stingley Jr. is somehow available at that point. So Washington and Minnesota will get their corners if the Jets don't take one. Garrett Wilson or the corner. Now, they have corners. They added DJ Reed. You got Carter, you got Eccles, you got all the different mm-hmm. guys that are going on, the former Virginia Cavalier. You got all these different things going on there. Now you think about corner with the Jets. Do they want the elite corner? They got all these other guys, but they don't have the elite corner. And if they think Sauce Gardner would be that dominant lockdown number one corner, then I think you would go Sauce Gardner because there's a lot of depth at wide receiver in this draft. There's not depth at corner. There's the big three, and then in my opinion, Todd, after the big three, which are Gardner, Stingley, McDuffie, it's a drop-off. Mm. Good luck trying to get a consensus on the I fourth agree. corner. And all those guys are a little iffy. Wide receivers much deeper. I would push for the corner. Now, I would go Stingley Jr. You would take Sauce Gardner. Since you're the Jets with Joe Douglas, you got all that connection, I'll let you make the pick, Todd. Yeah, Joe hasn't exactly told me who he's taking it at picks four and ten. We, don't, we have conversations about our family and not, not really about who they're going to select, and I would never ask. But this is a tough one, man. It really is because I, you got Zach Wilson. You need another playmaker. How do you not draft a receiver? But Sauce Gardner, you know, I, I have almost identical grades on Garrett Wilson and Sauce. So if I had to choose personally, I would take Garrett Wilson but I'm totally happy taking, taking Sauce Gardner here and, and making it two defensive players that you get in the top 10 picks that can come in right away and, and really beef up a defense that really struggled a year ago. All right, so let's go ahead and give you guys Sauce Gardner, give the Jets Sauce Gardner, who walk away with two defensive cornerstones with those two top 10 picks. We're going to come back, and we mentioned the Jets nearly traded for Tyreek Hill. We'll discuss the trade that sent Tyreek Hill to Miami instead, especially for what it means for the Kansas City Chiefs. But before we do that, with the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right, every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, and every sideline grand can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. First Draft is also brought to you by Geico. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Well, I know you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters' coverage. You can save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch today, and you'll see all the ways you can save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote. 
or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. All right, so we are I, back. I picture Kuiper driving down the street. Sorry, Phil. I picture Kuiper driving down the street, listening to that music, just you know, ah. back and forth, bopping his head a little bit. It's like elevator lounge music. I love it. Um, yeah, exactly. All right, so here's the Tyreek Hill trade. Kansas City <laughs> sends Tyreek Hill to Miami. Miami sends them a 2022 first, second, and fourth round pick, plus a 2023 fourth and sixth round picks. So a remarkable trade in a lot of ways. Tyreek Hill also gets a new contract extension for four years, up to $120 million. The wide receiver market market has exploded this offseason. So, Mel, all of a sudden the Chiefs have 12 picks in this year's draft. That's tied with Jacksonville for the most. How does this trade reshape not just what Kansas City needs, but what they can do in this year's draft? Well, you got those back-to-back picks in the first round, and you think about can they move up or move down? They got flexibility there, make one pick, and then have a team maybe jump up and get a quarterback with the other and keep accumulating picks, which gives you versatility in a round to say, okay, we can attack and go get a guy that slides a bit that we want to go up maybe eight to ten spots to acquire. It gives them a great maneuverability, Todd, in this draft, having all those all that draft capital. And they have some needs. They need a defensive line. Obviously, wide receivers a need. So this is a team that, that knows they have the one dynamic player that you have to have and that's Patrick Mahomes. They got a great coach in Andy Reid, and they have stability within the organization, and now they have all this draft capital to allow them to make all kinds of moves, up and down, and worry about it. Maybe get some extra picks next year. Uh, Kansas City's in a really good spot because of this trade. Yeah, I don't know that you need 12, 12 picks from this draft, so my thought process would be use a few of those to go move up to go get Jamison Williams. Mm. I mean, to me, that's the pick. You know, you have, you have Garrett Wilson, we talked about it, wide receiver from Ohio State, Drake London. They're one and two, depending on the, which team you talk to and how, how they're ranked. But they're, they seem to be the, close to a consensus of the, two, the top two receivers. Then you get into Trayvon Burks from, from Arkansas, who's a big slot receiver. And after that, uh, Chris Olave. And again, you can kind of flip-flop the order there. But Olave from Ohio State, Burks from Arkansas. But I, don't th- I think those guys will probably be off the board in the top 17, 18, 19 picks. But Jamison Williams is the guy you wonder, is he going to fall a little bit because of the ACL? We talked about it, Mel. We talk about it almost every week on this podcast. He could have been a top 10 pick. We could have been talking about him going you know, somewhere in that range, at eight, 8 to Atlanta. The New York Jets at 10. There's possibilities landing in that top 10 spot. You're going to lose a, a portion of the season, and you might not get 100% of Jamison Williams at, you know, at the end of the season. But for the next four years after, you could be getting the best wide receiver in this class and an absolute explosive vertical threat and run-after-catch weapon as well. So I would love that pick. Package a few, a few of your picks this year. Move up. But how far do you move up? You've got Green Bay uh, spot ahead of you. You've got uh, other teams, New England at 21. If you want to secure it and make sure you can get them, you're calling Philadelphia at 19. You're calling um, uh, Pittsburgh sitting at number 20. Yeah. Those are a couple of the teams that you're going to try to call to go get your wide receiver if you've targeted him as the guy in this class. So, Mel, on the other side of this, yeah. Miami is not quite the Rams, but they're kind of spectators. They have zero picks now in the first 100 selections of this year's draft. Miami will probably spend more time over the next month just reading and listening to mock drafts between you and Todd than studying players because they are very limited with draft capital. They're kind of all in, not quite all in for this year, but they made a big step forward here. 
They made a big step forward, and they are all in for this season, and it gets down to two and now. And you think about Miami's additions and what they even did in the draft last year, getting Jalen Waddle. Now you get Wilson coming in. You add Tyreek Hill. You add Gasicki. You added two running backs. So they've done now the offensive line. You added Armstead, okay, to be the left tackle. You've got a center maybe issue there. Who's going to anchor this line with Dieter? So to me, and compete with him. So the offensive line still, and they got a lot of pieces, but do they all fit together? Are they cohesive? Can this offense the line make a quantum leap and Armstead has to stay healthy he's had some durability issues during his career he's a great player when he's on the field and he's healthy but can he be there for the entire season so there's I think that really is what it boils down to two things the offensive line and then Tua and if it all comes together do they in fact and Tyreek Hill said some great things about Tua up until this point when he was traded for that he thinks Tua can be spectacular he's thrilled to be catching passes from Tua so O-line and Tua on the spot this year, Todd, to play at a high level and try to catch the Buffalo Bills, who have Josh Allen, have a heck of a foundation in place. Uh, Everybody's trying to get to that Josh Allen level in that division. And if Tua can do it, hey, everybody thought he was going to be a great quarterback coming out. He had the injury. Now he's a couple years removed, Todd, from the injury. He has no excuses now. Yeah, and I love the fact that they, they protected the quarterback and they got the best weapon they could possibly get in Tyree Kill. So it does come down to Tua, and it's a great opportunity. You know, everyone's saying, well, he's on the hot seat. If they don't win it, forget about that. If you're Tua, you're saying, wow, like now I've got the keys to the car, and the car is fast. I mean, you could argue this is the fastest offensive skill unit in in all of the NFL, seriously, when you look at the speed that they have. So I'm excited to see the product on the field with a new offensive mind operating it in in their head coach, and Tua now kind of gets to open things up and go back to what he had. If you think about it, when he was at Alabama and he had those four wide receivers that went on to be first-rounders, he's used to this. you know. And, and he does a great job. He's a point guard. That's what he is. He's a distributor. Get the ball, quick hands, quick feet, very sudden. He operates at that fast pace. And I, I think he's a perfect fit for what they have around him now. And if you're a Dolphins fan, this offseason, forget about draft picks. You know, as, as we've heard from the, the Rams before, I, I, wanted, I want proven players if I can get my hands on them. And that's exactly what they've gotten, especially at the left tackle position with Armstead and at, with Tyree Kill at the wide receiver spot. And by the way, uh, the Dolphins do have two first-round picks next year. So they're not totally out of draft capital. They can make some major changes next offseason if need be. We're going to wrap up the show the way we always do, which is turning to Todd's spotlight. So, Todd... Uh, who is on your mind this week, a player or two or three that you think we need to be paying more attention to? Let's start with Amari Barno, and I'm going to the great state of Virginia for, for today's two spotlight players. But Amari Barno from Virginia Tech, he's an intriguing prospect. He's not up there in the class of, of Hutchinson and Thibodeau and Walker and Jermaine Johnson, but he's kind of in that next tier, a day two prospect. You watch him on tape, it kind of jumps out. He's so tall. He's got that linear frame. He almost looks like a tight end, but he plays with power. He explodes off the ball. He gets in with leverage on on, on pass rushers. And you look at his workout. I mean, the straight line speed that he has, find me another edge rusher that's going to give you 4-3-6 in the 40-yard dash. I mean, unbelievable. Now, you see the 235 pounds there. 6'6", 235. We got to get this guy some protein shakes. But when we bulk him up, He's going to become an every-down player. Maybe he's just a designated pass rusher as a rookie, and I can live with that. But you don't get a lot of guys with this kind of traits. Again, 4-3-6 in the 40 and a 10-11 in the broad jump, which was just 
unbelievably explosive, showing that lower body strength and explosion that he has. So I would bet on Barno in round two as an alternative if you can't get your edge rusher in round one. Then you go to another player in Virginia at UVA, the tight end Jelani Woods. I've been really impressed with him. High character guy. Gets his work done. He really he improved this past season. He's got good hands, big mitts. And he's another player. Give me tools that I can develop. He wasn't always utilized a ton at, at Virginia this past year. But you look at it, what he has. The height, the weight, the 34-and-a-half-inch arm length. So I've got a huge catch radius if I'm a quarterback thrown at this guy in the middle of the field. Then at that size, he comes out with a 4-6-140 yard dash at the combine. So he's athletic. You can flex him out. He's going to give you effort as an inline blocker, even though he's not great at it. He's better as a move blocker. But 6'7", 265, running a 4'6'1", I'll take my chances every day. Hey, I, I think he's a mid-round pick, Mel. You know, this tight end class isn't great, but there's a lot of depth to it. In my opinion, you get a guy, whether it's third, fourth round range, that could, could, could wind up coming in and really outplay his draft slot. I like your theme, Todd, with the Virginia, Virginia Tech. I'm going to stick to a theme as well, Field and Todd, and I'm going to go with guys who on their own team were under the radar and kind of not overlooked, but more a little unheralded because the guys we're talking about are other guys. You go to Texas, San Antonio, UTSA, the Roadrunners, right? You're talking about Spencer Burford, but particularly Tariq Wool in the corner. Well, how about Sincere McCormick, running back, Todd? I don't know if you studied the tape yet on him. I love the balance of the strength with which he runs with. He's a willing pass protector and catch the ball out of the backfield. Sincere McCormick in day three. Now, he's not a home run hitter, and those guys tend to drop just a bit. They get into the sixth, seventh round. I'll take Sincere McCormick. I want him on my football team. Let's go to another guy on the national champion team. How can there be an underrated guy who's a Georgia Bulldog? Well, there is. It's Channing Tindall. Channing Tindall, nobody talks about. They talk about everybody else on that defense, but Tyndall. He flies to the football. He's got pass rush ability inside and out. Be a special teams dynamo. He's got that versatility, that dual versatility. For today's game, the way he can run to the football, I love Channing Tyndall in a second or third round. And then I'll go to another Woods. You mentioned Jelani Woods. How about JT Woods? He plays at Baylor, right? The safety, Jalen Petrie, who's that Swiss Army knife. He does everything. JT Woods can fly to the football, Ball skills. He had six picks this past year. One thing he needs to work on is in space. He goes, for, he gets in there and he make, tries to make that big hit, right? Well, you know, make the short tackle. Okay, break down, make the short tackle. So he tweaks that a bit. JT Woods from Baylor in that late day two, early to mid day three range will be a nice pick. So guys that on their own team, I think could maybe be better than some of their more heralded teammates. So those are three guys right there. Sincere McCormick, running back, Tuscan San Antonio, Channing Tindall, linebacker, Georgia, and JT Woods, safety from Baylor. I love it. We've got just one month until the NFL draft, and the reality is if I just told Mel and Todd that they have to speak continuously for a month straight until the draft began, they could <laughs> rattle off information about players. Great stuff, as always, from our two guys, Todd and Mel, one month away from Las Vegas, Nevada, and round one of the 2022 NFL draft, and frankly, we still have no idea what's going to happen, which is why the mock-ish draft was fun to start the show. We'll be back again on Monday. Be sure to check out the audio podcast wherever you get your podcast. And also, a Thursday edition should be a lot of fun. For Mel and Todd, I'm Field. We'll talk to you guys next week.